You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. and the coaching carousel continues to turn in the college football world. And Blair, I actually rode a carousel with my niece over the holiday weekend, and let me say that the coaching carousel, poorly named. That was a smooth ride. This, not so much. But we will help guide you through it. As always, be sure to submit some questions in the chat, and we will answer them at the end of the show. But first, headlines. Deion Sanders confirmed that he has received an offer from Colorado to be their next head coach. He also said, quote, they're not the only ones. Our own Carl Reed previously reported that both Colorado and USF were in talks with Coach Prime. Now, Coach Prime says he's got all eyes on the SWAC championship game this weekend. So, Blair, how much does his decision reverberate around the recruiting world? Well, Emily, the potential impact of Deion Sanders' next destination is fascinating. Now, imagine him wearing a parka on the sideline in Boulder, Colorado. (laughs) We've already seen the recruiting impact that he's had at a place like Jackson State. Watch out if Prime ends up at a Power 5 place or at a school like USF, which is in a talent-rich area. We could see a few more Travis Hunter situations in the future. He is not expected to make a decision until after championship weekend. Meanwhile, in more coaching carousel news, Stanford's David Shaw stepped down Saturday night and yesterday, 2023 top 247 tight end Walker Lyons decommitted from the Cardinal. Now he maintains they're still his top choice, but Blair, why is he pushing his decision back to February now? Yes, Walker Lyons is in no rush to make a decision, and that's because he intends to go on a two-year church mission, which would begin this coming summer. So essentially, he's not arriving on a college campus until 2025. Utah, USC, Georgia, all involved for the talented tight end. So that's going to be an interesting one to monitor as we head into the next year as well. 2024 top 247 safety Peyton Woodyard told our national recruiting analyst Greg Biggins that he would make his decision January 7th at the All-American Bowl. He has a top seven. Don't worry, I'm not going to list all of them, but he's coming off a visit to USC this past weekend. So Blair, where are you leaning? Yeah, I think the Trojans are playing catch up uh, to a couple of national programs right now. Georgia, Ohio State are often involved and often mentioned for Peyton Woodyard. And this is a player who I think realizes the type of impact that he could have on the 2024 recruiting class. He's got a year to go until he puts pen to paper. But before he announces, I think it allows him to really hone in on on the schools that he's mentioning and and the schools that he's interested in. So that's going to be an interesting one to monitor as we head into the new year. 
It's got to take some time to whittle down that top seven. Meanwhile, Michigan pulling off the ultimate coup of two prized commits this weekend. 2023 three-star corner Cameron Calhoun and 24 four-star offensive lineman Luke Hamilton were at the shoe for the game Saturday at Ohio State visitors. Both are from the state of Ohio and yet they both committed to Michigan following the Wolverines victory. Two of three total commits UM grabbed from the state of Ohio over the last couple of days. Overall, I mean, what a weekend, but what kind of statement was just made by Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, I don't want to say it was a resounding statement, but it was certainly an important one. You know, fans typically want certain results to translate into certain recruiting results. And I think this is a, a nice indication that Jim Harbaugh has things going in a nice direction. It's an added bonus heading into the Big Ten Championship. And ultimately, I think it gives them some nice momentum heading into the contact period, which begins this Friday. Yeah, fans did not have to wait to see those benefits come from that big win. It was a wild weekend of results and recruiting, so let's bring in our director of recruiting, Steve Wiltfong. Rivalry weekend delivered in many ways, but let's stick here on the game. Five-star safety, Caleb Downs. He's committed to Bama, but he was in Columbus, so what's the latest in his flip watch? Yeah, the number one safety in the country, in my opinion, the top high school football player in America, Arrived in Columbus about 10 a.m. on Saturday morning for the game and his family. I talked to his dad. They said it was the best pregame atmosphere and hoopla that they've been to at a college football game. And Caleb wanted to get to Ohio State for a game. He'd been to Alabama for a game, been to Georgia for a game. Obviously, he's committed to Alabama. Uh, never been to Ohio State for a game. So that was a big box for him to check there and, and get up there and see the atmosphere. Uh, uh, Ohio State, they threw the kitchen sink at him. They even planned to play him at offense, maybe in kind of in that Chris Gamble role back in the day. But uh, uh, Caleb shines on both sides of the ball for Mill Creek, who's a state title contender down there. So that's something that's interesting for him as well. Uh, I got a chance to get around the coaches again and, and, and talk scheme and how he would fit in there. And then the family continues to highlight the, uh, the city of Columbus and how uh, woven into the community Ohio State is and how that benefits a student athlete off the field. Um, Alabama's uh, still where he's committed. And, and as of right now, I haven't heard anything changing on that front. Steve, obviously a loss and a tough loss for Ohio State on the field, but they're engaged in a number of notable recruiting battles. They had a couple other prospects on campus that are high priorities for them. Damon Wilson and then LSU commit Joshua Mickens. What are the chances that the Buckeyes add both of them to the 2023 recruiting class? Well, I think they're for sure going to land one of them in Joshua Mickens, former LSU commit. To, we talked about him on the show coming into his Ohio State visit, like the way that was trending for the Buckeyes. You know, he picked LSU because of the stage it's on, the opportunity to compete for championships and play at a high level in the SEC. And I think he sees all of the same things at Ohio State. And then I think as it comes closer to putting pen to paper, proximity to home being a big deal for him. Him in Indianapolis, he's about two and a half hours away from Ohio State. He was there two times this month in, in, in November here, and I really like the way Ohio State's trending for Joshua Mickens, who had a tremendous official visit. And then Damon Wilson uh, returned to campus with his dad, took his official visit for Ohio State's win over Notre Dame. Uh, I, I've, I've liked Ohio State for the last month or so in this recruitment, but I will say that over the last couple weeks, I really think Georgia has made a major move here. Uh, Damon Wilson's dad told me yesterday that tonight, Tuesday night, they're going to have a big family meeting discussing the future here. So we could know soon what he's going to do. 
Um, I think George has got some momentum here down the stretch. We'll see if that pushes over the top for Kirby Smart and company, which would obviously be massive if they could add him and Samuel Mapemba down the stretch to what's the nation's number two recruiting class. Ohio State sitting number six with a chance uh, to land some big fish down, down here at the end as well. Damon Wilson certainly one they'd like to add. To be a fly on the wall for that family meeting at the Wilson House. All right, over on the West Coast, the USC's playoff hopes looking pretty bright, but how about their hopes of landing five-star edge Mateo Uyunglele, Steve? Well, I know that they had a tremendous experience at USC. The atmosphere was awesome. Talked to several prospects that were on campus. Obviously, you saw the picture that his dad posted of his son and Lincoln Riley smiling on the field, following a big win for, for USC. And, and, and so USC, they've always been a contender in this one. Ohio State, they're one of the favorites for him and certainly have a great shot to land him. Oregon, definitely don't sleep on Oregon for Mateo as well. Uh, they're certainly high on his list. And Georgia, we talked about Damon Wilson and, and Samuel Mapemba as guys that they could very well land here down the stretch, but they're in it for Mateo as well. Per our Greg Biggins, our good friend and colleague out West, who wrote a story on him last week. Steve, obviously we've seen what Caleb Williams has done at USC since arriving from Oklahoma. We know what Lincoln Riley was able to do with quarterbacks, specifically when he was in Norman as well. And now they have a talented 2024 quarterback that's also highly considering the Trojans right now. What's the latest with DJ Lagway as he took a, a visit to USC ahead of his announcement on December 7th? Yeah, so the five-star from Willis, Texas, he's going to announce his college decision on December 7th, and USC is one of the programs I'm watching closely. He actually said after the visit, USC is definitely a school to look out for on December 7th. Who else should we look out for, Blair? Certainly Florida. Clemson's in there. And still don't sleep on Texas A&M. I think that Texas A&M has a pulse in that recruitment as well as we head down the stretch. And I think he has a good idea of what he's going to do. Uh, but just went out to USC, talked about the history that USC has uh, that's different than a lot of programs nationally. And then certainly the track record Coach Riley has with quarterbacks and offense playing a huge part in his decision as well. Uh, Florida's been all in on DJ Lagway for as long as anybody. He's had a couple great visits to Clemson. Texas A&M's close to home. We'll know soon what he's going to do, but USC certainly uh, helped its cause, it seems, over the weekend. We will know very soon, December 7th, just around the corner. All right, the top edge in the 2023 class was in Tuscaloosa for the Iron Bowl. Crystal balls in favor of the Tide, but Steve, when can we anticipate a decision from Keon Keeley? Well, he was at the Iron Bowl this weekend, one of the high-profile recruits that watched Alabama close their season strong with a victory over rival Auburn. Still love Alabama's position for Keon in this recruitment. A short, good trip, I'm told. He got a chance to hang out with some of the Alabama commits, so he continues to really vibe well with those guys. Obviously saw a great atmosphere. I know that they were excited to see Alabama win. I think that uh, you know he's got a really good relationship with Coach Coleman Hutzler and, and, and the guys on staff, and, and, and so... Everything seems to continue to trend real well for Alabama uh, here for Keon Keeley down the stretch as he considers Alabama alongside Ohio State and Florida, among others. All right. Well, we've got you. we got to ask. Kenny Dillingham named the Arizona State head coach. You've talked extensively about his recruiting shops in the past. So what are your thoughts on the hire? Well, he's an original 30 under 30 member here for 24-7 Sports. I, I don't know how – I think that – does that date back to like 2017, Blair? I, I don't know. I'm losing track. but now. I know he was on the original <laughs> list. And Kenny Dillingham, he's someone that, man, he, his first coaching job was coaching the JV at Chaparral High School his senior year when he got hurt. He was a JV assistant coach. Then he was coaching seventh graders at the park 
uh, while he was a student at Arizona State linebackers. Uh, uh, eventually, Mike Norvell gave him a job, uh, coach quarterbacks there, and, and, and has, has, has climbed the ladder here. But uh, nobody more excited to be at Arizona State of any of the candidates than Kelly Dillingham. It's his alma mater. It's his home state. He's got a lot of love for it, for the program. And, and really hard work is what got him here. He's got no family in college football, no inroads. Uh, uh, he's, he's created his own path here. And uh, from a recruiting standpoint, look, he's had some major recruiting wins. Look no, no further than Dante Moore, uh, the five-star quarterback from Detroit who chose Oregon over Notre Dame and Michigan and Michigan State, among others. And, and uh, uh, last year, beating out Arizona State for A.J. Duffy at Florida State. So he can recruit that quarterback position as well as anybody. Uh, he loves Arizona State. He knows the ins and outs of that university. Looks like he's putting together an exciting staff. And I think that the Sun Devils, uh, uh, from a recruiting standpoint, have a head coach that understands what it takes to recruit at a high level, and he's going to bring a lot of juice to the trail for the Sun Devils. Very exciting opportunity for all parties involved there. Steve, thank you so much. Be sure to check out new episodes of the Wilt Fong Whip Around dropping every Monday and Friday on the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. You can see he's got his hands ready. He is sticking around and will answer your questions in the chat, so drop them below for Steve. Okay, Arizona has very fruitful recruiting grounds, we'll call them, but a lot of the top talent has left the state lately. You got Bijan Robinson, Keeley Ringo, and Spencer Rattler, a notable one. So how important will it be for Dillingham to kind of buck that trend and keep that talent in state? Yeah, Emily, I think it's going to be the ultimate factor of whether or not Kenny Dillingham has success at ASU. That's been a big knock on recent staffs, dating even back to Todd Graham. Obviously, Herm Edwards wasn't really emphasizing the greater Valley of the Sun, that Phoenix area that is so fruitful. Like you mentioned, there's so many prospects year in and year out. I count over 40 Division One prospects right now in the 2023 class, only one headed to ASU as of right now. But I think Kenny Dillingham will focus in 2024, focus on 2025. He's already been the first coach to extend offers to 2026 prospects in Phoenix when he was at Oregon. So this is a player, I think, or a coach that understands the, the importance of local players and really stockpiling talent from, from nearby schools to continue that, that trajectory of what he wants that, that team to be. 2026? How old are those kids right now, Blair? <laughs> 14, 15. But look, I, I oh think this gosh. is where uh, recruiting it ha has been now. I think that's the direction of of how the recruiting process goes. You have to be in early. You have to uh, basically show that you believe in a prospect as a freshman. And, and that goes a long way because in two or three years when they're making a decision, they go back and they start thinking about their relationships. They think about the connections that they've built. They think about maybe the school that that showed trust in them first, and that makes an impact. And with a coach like Kenny Dillingham, he's not afraid to pull the trigger early on. And I think that's going to be really key for ASU, especially after a, a, a down season on the field. They need as much buzz as they can generate off the field, and I think he can do that in recruiting. Youth seems to be the word of the day when it comes to Arizona State. Awesome. Well, signing day is three weeks away. Now, you may have your eyes on making Christmas lists. Here's a better list for you. Number one, subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. And two, get your popcorn ready. We will have wall-to-wall -wall coverage of National Signing Day all day on December 21st. And coming up, we're going to dig into the biggest head coaching hires and what they mean for each program. But no matter the school, every coach will be tasked with keeping up on the trail.
Joining us now are 24-7 Sports National Analyst Cooper Patagna and Chris Singletary. And gentlemen, there's a lot to discuss in this latest recruiting roundtable as new hires are making themselves comfortable in their new positions. And Cooper, let's begin with you. For a coach like, like Luke Fickle, who is settling into his new digs, and he has to sort through the recruiting board. What is this first step? What are the first week or two look like from a recruiting standpoint as he starts to settle in? Well, you need to take a look under the hood first. That way you can examine what you need in the recruiting process. So whether it's Luke Fickle, whether it's Matt Rule at Nebraska, these next couple of weeks are going to be critical to short-term and long-term success. So uh, first thing you're doing, you're looking at your, uh, your 85 scholarship players and then seeing – uh, having exit meetings with the players currently on your roster uh, and, and really taking a closer look at which players are leaning towards the transfer portal and then what you can bring in via the transfer portal in the in the three weeks that you have to operate uh, before early signing day. We we're talking about it before the show, but the next uh, a couple of weeks are so critical in this process. Starting this Friday, you have the contact period that begins on December 2nd and then on Mondays, December 5th, the transfer portal window open. So it's a very little amount of time that you have to make very educated decisions. There's a lot of pressure on these coaches and coaching staffs, uh, and they are still getting acclimated to the places that they are, Luke Fickle in Madison, uh, and then Matt Rule in Lincoln, as well as a handful of others. So uh, there's a lot that goes on in, in the, this process. You're also trying to put together a coaching staff as well. So uh, any way you can, slow that process down to make the best decisions possible. That's what these coaches are trying to do. Uh, institutional knowledge, lean on the people, the support staff members, uh, the coaches that they may retain in the process to make the right decisions. I think when you look at it uh, the same way that Cooper said, you really touching on that. In particular for a guy like Matt Rule, he's been out of the college game for two years. So now getting up to speed on the NIL, what have they done in Nebraska? in terms of that from a prospect standpoint that they have committed and other guys that they still are, uh, are trying to get into the fold and then understanding the transfer portal. And then ultimately what guys on in the program do they want to be able to keep? So he has to self recruit his program. Not a good thing for Matt rule coming from uh, having a past in Baylor where he recruited Texas and the location of Nebraska. I'm sure he's going to really, pre, you know, try to dive into the state of Texas to help, um, you know, get that recruiting in base. And then also, I think from the standpoint, he's a coach that's still putting his staff together, probably a little bit behind where Fickle is in terms of having guys. So he might not utilize the first visit weekend and just really use the whole weekend from a contact standpoint. But I think really focusing on NIL, understanding how he can utilize that at Nebraska, seeing where they are in terms of the commitments that they want to retain, guys in the program that are leave, and then understanding how can I maximize the transfer portal to be able to be beneficial because he doesn't have relationships with a lot of these high school guys like other coaches that are coming from other schools have. So he started from uh, square one where a guy like Lou Fickle, obviously been in the same footprint going from um, Cincinnati to Wisconsin. He's probably at, you know, seven or eight because it's in the same region and the same footprint from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, you both have extensive experience in recruiting offices across the country. Cooper, what does this first week look like for a coach like Luke Fickle? 
Well, it's busy. It's a lot of phone calls. I think the first thing you want to do is batten down the hatches with the players that you already have committed. So it's a lot of time spent on the phone uh, and then exercising those resources that you have. We talked about building a staff. One of the first people that Luke Fickle brought over to Cincinnati uh, when he first arrived back in, in 2017 was Marcus Freeman. Now, Luke Fickle, uh, stayed on staff at Ohio State, but that uh, addition of Marcus Freeman was so important in that process to get the ball rolling. So not only from a retainment standpoint that Chris hit on earlier, but from a talent identification evaluation standpoint, there is a lot that can happen in these next three weeks before early signing day uh, and just trying to add new names to the board. I think the biggest thing you want to do right now is you want to raise the floor of your class, of the players that you're bringing in. So you're going to see a lot of these teams really start to shift their philosophy more to players with higher floors uh, that would be best categorized as safe. Uh, you're trying to build that 85 from the ground up, and you're not really trying to take a swing for the fences right now on higher upside players that maybe have uh, a little bit of some red flags attached to them that may be available late in the process. So uh, there's a lot uh, that goes into the next couple of weeks. I think the biggest thing is you don't want to overplay your hand either. I think substance uh, over hype is really important uh, during this time. And I think you got to be patient and you got to be diligent over the uh, the course of the next month, getting these guys on campus, make sure they're the guys that you feel are a fit for, for your program and then getting to know them. Uh, and remember over the contact period, over the next three weeks, you're going to have multiple opportunities to get in home, uh, whether it's to have these guys on your campus uh, or be in their house and sit down with them uh, in, in the decision makers in their family uh, and, and really get to build that relationship. That being said, it, right now it's about cutting the fat, being efficient and making sure you're locking in on some of the top targets that you think really fit your program and are going to buy in uh, to what you want to be. I think when you look at it from Matt Rule's perspective, he brought Evan Cooper with him, who was with him with the Carolina Panthers, also at Baylor, and then also has a background being his DPP at Temple. So again, like uh, Luke Fickle, he has somebody with him that has done an excellent job for him from an evaluation standpoint. He understands what Matt wants to do from a defensive and an offensive perspective when he's evaluating the players. And now it's immediately trying to find out. And they the kind of unique thing that they would have coming from the NFL is who are the guys in Nebraska that had NFL potential? Now we need to recruit them to stay at Nebraska. So that's going to be one focus. Now the other part is where are we deficient? Where in this cycle where they already – uh, from a number standpoint, offense, defense, and offense and defensive side of the ball, where they really focus on taking uh, the bulk of the class. And how do we address that? Not only to get the right guys, like Cooper said, but make sure they're a fit uh, from an academic, a social standpoint, and ultimately a football standpoint. And not just chasing stars to be able to be high in the rankings, but also having some substance. And I think for Nebraska, yeah. being able to use the portal, being able to use the JCs is going to be huge for them as opposed to really being able to try to develop some relationships with a lot of high school guys because they can't get the time back because rule was in pro football so he doesn't have these relationships and then ultimately filling out the staff filling out the staff with high school guys that mean with college guys that now have relationships that you can utilize the baby you know bring those guys uh in to fill in the gaps as well so it's going to be unique it's two different perspectives when you look at uh, coming from pro ball to college ball. So I'm really um, excited to see how it transitions and how it works out for both because you're going to have two different case studies, an NFL guy and a college guy uh, going to new places to see ultimately who's able to do the better job long-term and filling out the roster and having success.
Yeah, a lot of moving parts. You mentioned, Cooper, the beginning of the contact period this Friday and then the transfer portal opening up next Monday. And then you toss in official visits and you wonder if recruits want to get to a certain campus, if they want to go meet Matt Rule or Luke Fickle early on and, and get some questions answered. Or if you're those staffs, Cooper, do you wait until that last weekend before the signing period to make a big splash? No, you, you got to prioritize, and it's all about being flexible at this time of the year. Listen, it, it, to me, uh, it's about what the prospect and their family, what, what works best for them. At the end of the day, the end result that you want is the right player in your program. So, yes, there's a lot of things going on right now. We keep talking about why it's so important to have the right people on staff who have experience in these areas. But regardless of your experience right now, the one thing that people don't have experience in in college football is this transfer portal window. It kind of throws a wrench in everything. You talk about the timing of this. We're talking about the contact period, coaches going out on the road. Think about that. you got guys now away from a building that they've been in for less than a week on the road recruiting uh, a program that they're still trying to get to know themselves. And then you throw in, you throw in the contact period, official visits, and then in the midst of this, is now the transfer portal, right? So uh, where we're expecting a whole lot of movement. And listen, the transfer portal in terms of philosophies with teams in their first year, we've seen this change. I mean, LSU had 39 scholarship players on their roster. Brian Kelly comes in. Uh, he adds 15 players from the portal in his first year. LSU's had a really good year at 9-3. and three. Lincoln Riley, a college football playoff contender, completely flips that roster at USC. 20 players in the transfer portal. So I think Matt Rule, I think Luke Fickle, but maybe more so at Nebraska, you're going to see these guys lean into the transfer portal. If they can afford to do so, what I would say in this situation is, hey, maybe that first week in December, if we feel good about the guys that we already have in our class committed, and maybe a lot of these guys have already tripped because we started to see that in college football. A lot of these guys are starting to trip in the spring, in the summer. What I would do is, hey, let's take that first week. Let's take a collective breath. Let's get our board organized by high school, by transfer portal. Uh, let's put a plan of attack together. And then by that time, that second, third week in December, you're feeling a lot better about the way that you're proceeding. Yeah, the recruiting period, obviously closing with a flurry and a whirlwind, especially for the coaches that are new to their positions. You, you can make sure to follow all the work of Cooper Patagna and Chris Singletary over at 247sports.com. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, I hope uh, these two were watching that segment. Matt Rule named the head coach at Nebraska and Luke Fickle taking the head job at Wisconsin. Both of them have their work cut out for him in a changing landscape 
of the Big Ten to help us navigate it. Let's welcome in our friend and national recruiting analyst, Alan True. Alan, relationships are the lifeblood of recruiting. So how does Rule build those connections with recruits in Nebraska and the Midwest as a whole? Well, I think he's going to have to get started right away. They're going to be able to get out on the road here in the month of December. So need to make a lot of phone calls, have to assemble a staff, I think, of personable recruiters who's going to be able to do that in a short period of time. I think you also have to understand that this class is just going to be the starting point. And you do what you can to salvage this class, to fill it out and get some good players late in the cycle. But you're really also focusing on next year. I don't think you can judge these new coaches off of this 2023 cycle. And so you're building inroads, you're going back to places where they have connections. And I think they have a lot of them on the staff. You know, Matt Rule is an East Coast guy, but he's recruited down in Texas. He's recruited in Florida, bringing Evan Cooper with him, who is a South Florida guy. So you already have some connections on the staff to some really fertile recruiting grounds. Yeah, Alan, I have to go back and check my transcripts, but I can't remember if I'm good at geography or not. Nebraska smack dab in the middle of the country. So it allows them it to be equidistant when they recruit, right? And I think nationally, it's going to be really important because Nebraska is a brand. I think it's a recognizable recruiting ground in terms of what they're able to attract in terms of talent and star power. How important will it be for Matt Rule to be a national recruiter? Yeah, so first, uh, you know, shout out to your fifth grade social studies teacher. You are right on about where <laughs> Nebraska is. You know your geography. But uh, yeah, I think Nebraska, whenever they've been good, if you go back and look at their history and recruiting and some of the notable players that they've had, they've always started at home, had some good homegrown players, but they've gone out and, and recruited players from other parts of the country. You know, and Dominic and Sue, everybody knows that name, is from Portland. Levante David is a South Florida guy. Amir Abdullah, Cam Taylor Britt, those guys came from Alabama. So when you go back and look through Nebraska's history at who they've had and who has succeeded at Nebraska. You can find players recently from every corner of the country. I think you can do that at a place like Nebraska. You have the um, tradition to build on with that. And uh, you, you, they just got to get them there. And I think that it's some, in past that, when you look at some of the guys who visited um, when Mike Riley was the coach and Scott Frost was the coach, kids will come check it out. I think they have to, to do that. And I think they will based on their connections. This feels like kind of a glass half empty stance to take, but Nebraska to me, feels far from absolutely everything, not necessarily in the middle of everything, but depends on how you look at it. Well, meanwhile, let's talk about the other hire. Fickle came as a bit of a surprise, not because he's not qualified, but because he had been in the mix for so many jobs over the last few years and really never pulled the trigger until now. Also, you saw reports just a few weeks ago that indicated interim Jim Leonard would get the permanent job. So, Alan, how does Fickle lean into his Midwestern ties to salvage the 23 Wisconsin class that it's currently outside the top 75? Yeah, so I think this is in contrast to what we just said about Nebraska. Wisconsin, at their heart, has always been a Midwestern-built kind of program. They've had a lot of homegrown players, especially on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I think he'll continue to do that. They've always been able to get into Ohio, which I think is music to the ears of Luke Fickle because he's an Ohio guy and obviously recruited that state very well when he was at Ohio State and then Cincinnati. They've recruited Michigan at Cincinnati. That's a state that Wisconsin's been able to get into. And then they've always been able to sort of dip in a little bit. Wisconsin will always dabble out west a little bit, in Texas a little bit, in Florida a little bit. I think they'll keep that same strategy where they're going to have most of the class B from the Midwest, but then go outside the region to fill out some of those other needs. But I think it's a natural fit based on where Luke Fickle has recruited throughout his career. Alan, we have a saying here on the show, all is fair in love and recruiting. 
And I, I wonder, can Luke Fickle now go back to some of the players that had committed to him at Cincinnati, even though it might seem a bit Bush League? I think he's going to have to. Wisconsin's class has lost several players recently. And so in order to fill out this class with good players, you're going to have to take some players who are committed to other schools. There just aren't enough uncommitted guys out there for Wisconsin to fill out this class. They have some key needs. He's obviously done the legwork to build the relationship with some of those players in Cincinnati's class. I think it's gonna depend on which assistants come with him, but wouldn't surprise me to, to see him do that. You've seen other coaches in the conference do that when they take over. I remember when PJ Fleck got the job at Minnesota, took a lot of players from his class at Western Michigan, and a lot of those guys are doing really well now, like uh, Tanner Morgan, John Michael Schmitz, players like that. So like you said, all is fair in love and recruiting. And uh, I, think, I think that some of those Cincinnati kids will be targeted. Whew. That hurts. Also seeing some Cincinnati kids enter the transfer portal, too, so it's going to be tough there. All right, time will tell, but both Wisconsin and Nebraska landed seemingly home-run hires with these guys, and with Fickle in particular, he's leaving a program that's about to be a Power 5 school, so how much do these two moves signal that the Power 5 is quickly becoming the Power 2, and Big Ten and SEC really possess the more desirable opportunities for coaches? I think it shows that a lot, and I think it also shows that the Big Ten West is serious mm -hmm. about competing with the teams in the East for conference championships and also for recruits. I think when you look at that side of the conference now, you have several coaches with uh, NFL backgrounds, with really successful backgrounds. You have several coaches who are known as very strong recruiters. So when you look at who's going to go head-to-head -head on the trail, and you're going to have P.J. Fleck, and you're going to have Luke Fickle, you're going to have a staff at Iowa that always finds a way to find NFL players and, and turn them into top players at Iowa. You have Matt Rule there now. I mean, I just when you look on that side of the conference, it's going to be extremely competitive. I think year to year, any of those teams can finish first, any of those teams can finish last. And with this new blood entering, I think uh, the Big Ten West is going to continue to try to climb and compete with the Ohio States and the Michigans and the Penn States on that other side of the conference. Yeah, I think from a recruiting standpoint, we're going to see the on-field battles really mimicked, right? There's going to be a lot of parity. And right now, there isn't much right now, right? When you see in Michigan, you see Ohio State, you see some of the other programs that are really high up on the list. Wisconsin outside the top 75, Nebraska outside the top 30. Alan, how high are the ceilings for both of these programs with new head coaches? Could they make a push for top 10 status? Probably not in this class. It would take a lot. Uh, there's just not enough time. And like you said, not enough uncommitted players out there. They're going to have to raid from other classes a little bit, I think, in order to do that. I think this one, like I said, I mean, you're just going to have to try to salvage the class. And uh, I don't think top 10 probably should be the goal. But in future years, can the Wisconsin and Nebraska be top 10 to 25 recruiting classes? They've had them in the past. I don't know about top 10. Those Both of those schools have been in the top 15. Both of those schools have been in the top 20 to 25. And so I think you can do that at both of those places. I think both of those uh, coaches have shown that they can have really highly ranked recru recruiting classes. Matt Rule had some really good classes at Baylor um, in his short stint there. Luke Fickle really turned Cincinnati recruiting around to the point where they were competing with Big Ten schools and beating them for recruits. They have a number of notable players in the NFL from those classes like Sauce Gardner. So I think both of them have the opportunity to push up the recruiting efforts for both of those schools. You just may not see it until the 2024 cycle. Patience is what you're saying, Alan. I got gotcha. you. Thank you so much for all your great insight. I appreciate you joining us here. Blair, let's keep it simple. Which hire do you like better for the school? Rule for Nebraska, Fickle for Wisconsin.
I like Fickle for Wisconsin, and, and that's because of his style and the way he develops talent and his identification of that talent, right? I think we saw what he was able to do at Ohio State, what he did at Cincinnati, and taking maybe the unheralded recruit that he can then groom and really and really develop, and, and a player that he can get up and, and, and get drafted at some point. I think that's what fits Wisconsin perfectly. That's how they are able to recruit. That's how they're, they're able to compete for Big Ten titles. And uh, I think it fits in perfectly. That's not a knock on rule. I think he's going to do a phenomenal job, especially with the resources that Nebraska has. I just feel like Wisconsin and Fickle is is tailor made. And I think that's just a, a perfect match that I'm really intrigued to see how that plays out from a recruiting standpoint. I feel like that's a common thought, though, right? Is that Fickle's just kind of kind of ease his way, do what he's been doing at Cincinnati and do it at Wisconsin. But if he runs into some sort of roadblock while making that jump from Cincy to Wisconsin, what would that potentially be, do you think? Well, I think it's going to be, you know, the the opponents, right? He's not going to be facing the level of competition that he was facing at Cincinnati. So he's going to have to recruit to a different degree. He's going to have to win some battles. Before at Cincinnati, he's taking maybe some prospects and, and winning some battles that maybe he shouldn't win. Well, now he's supposed to win some battles. And, and that's going to be the key component, right? He's going to be facing Ohio State and Michigan and even Nebraska and, and Iowa and place and schools like that. So I, I think for him, it's going to be about meeting those expectations and then really winning some battles that he's supposed to win now. Excited to see how that pans out. All right, we have hit on three of the four Power 5 hires made over the last few days. We got one more left. I think I'm really good in recruiting in the living room. I think I'm really good at casting our vision. I think I'm really good at building relationships with them and the significant people in their decision-making process. Um, Auburn is easy to sell. Just come and see. That'll be our message. Come and see. Come and see. Come and get the feel. Come see. And if we get them here, I think um, it'll be tough to beat us. Should we come see? Is that what he's asking us to do? I think I think that got that right. Let's welcome in Jason Caldwell to talk some Tigers. Jason, from the very beginning, it looked like Lane Kiffin was A.D. John Cohen's top target. He stays at Ole Miss, so then things kind of shifted to Hugh Freeze. He gets the job, so right off the bat, how much of an impact does Freeze being named the head coach affect Auburn's recruiting class as they look to finalize that 2023 class? Yeah, obviously a lot of work to be done when you start talking about Picking up where you know interim coach Cadillac Williams left off, uh, a class that hasn't been great to this point under Brian Harson. They've actually done some some kind of catching up a little bit under Cadillac and, and and the coaches that have remained. So that's been a big deal for them. And so now you look at Hugh Freeze coming in, a guy that's been out of the Power Five realm for a few years now. I mean, he was at Ole Miss, but it's been you know been a few years since he's recruited against Southeastern Conference at Liberty. And so uh, for him, it's it's new faces, but maybe some old familiar places that he's been, and obviously. Being at Ole Miss, he recruited the state of Alabama some, and, and so there'll be some places that he's been before. But you look at it, Auburn's made some inroads with some really talented kids. Uh, and you look at, at the amount of guys just in the state of Alabama alone, that's going to be a, a heavy emphasis for him right away. Obviously, retaining Cadillac Williams, having him by his side to start this process was really important. Um, it was a must, in my opinion. And so now you look at, at this state, guys like James Smith and Quay Russo, a pair of five-star kids from Montgomery, uh, there will be probably early visits uh, for them once this thing kicks back off on Friday. Uh, but then you look at, at, at guys that are committed in this state. Tony Mitchell's a five-star DB commitment at Alabama from Thompson High School. He's visited Auburn multiple times. Uh, Keldrick Falk, four-star defensive line commitment to Florida State from then state. This visited Auburn multiple times. So there's kids that 
Auburn has continued to recruit. They've continued to look at Auburn. And now, you know, what kind of impact can he freeze make in, in this short time now as we head towards the early signing period? Yeah, Jason, Hugh Freeze isn't a stranger to some of the battles that he's about to walk into, right? You mentioned Bama and Georgia and LSU and Tennessee and Florida and all these schools that are really vying for the same type of prospect. And I wonder if he has a bigger recruiting pitch than just come and see. What what kind of recruiter is Hugh Freeze? Yeah, I think he's been really good. Obviously, you look at his success at Ole Miss and he's he's sent guys to the NFL, had first round draft picks. And so the thing I think is, is really interesting for him, he's done it on both sides of the ball. They had you know, people might not realize they had the number one, the nation's leader in scoring defense in 2014 and Ole Miss. People think about him as being an offensive coach, but he's put defensive guys in the NFL and is recruited there. But I think his quarterback development, offense, scoring points, you know, that's that's now the name of the game. And even defensive guys want to play on teams like that because they know a better chance of playing for a championship if your offense can score. So I think he can sell that vision. And I think for him, the, the sell part is, hey, um, Come give us a chance, and and I think that's the thing that you look at Auburn right now is is there's going to be opportunity when you start talking about you know getting on the field and, and challenging and competing and playing against the likes of you know Alabama and Georgia in this league, there's going to be opportunity for Auburn right away. And he talked about the mix of you know, signing transfer portal, doing those things. Um, it's an important thing when you start talking about building a program, rebuilding a program, and that's what T. Freeze is tasked with right now. You said retaining Cadillac Williams was a must for Hugh Freeze. He will remain on staff as the associate head coach and running back running backs coach, if I could speak. His impact uh, was really felt as the interim. You felt that energy, that new belief in this Auburn program. So how much will he be an asset when it comes to recruiting? Yeah, I, you know, kind of thinking about it a little bit today, I was thinking that you essentially now giving yourself a, a pair of head coaches, you can almost double up if you're Auburn on the, on the road right now and, and send Hugh Freeze in somewhere, you can send Cadillac somewhere else, then those guys can go back to the other place and, and give you multiple visits. So it's, it's almost like you're in essence, in essence, you're going to give yourself multiple in-home visits with a head coach type figure. That's not something that many schools have the option to do. I think Auburn has that option right now. And so having him jump on board really quickly and he's a guy that loves the program, obviously a, a guy that can sell the program. And I think having to step up in his role the last month, moving from running backs coach to an interim head coach, has given Cadillac a much different feel for how to go out and sell the program. He did it as a running yeah, back coach before. But this guy can now sell an entire program. And now you have a couple of guys that can sell that vision of what they think this program is going to be. I think that's a big deal. Yeah, Jason, the contact period opens up on Friday. We're going to see a lot of in-home visits. Emily, we teased the uh, the in-home you know, photo in front of the Christmas tree. I think we're going to start to see a lot of those from Hugh Freeze. But when you look at the itinerary and when you look at maybe some of the, the plane tracking that's going to go on right now, uh, who do you see as high on the priority list for Auburn and Hugh Freeze? Yeah, I mentioned a couple of guys already. I think James Smith, Quay Russoff, those kids from from Carver Montgomery, a pair of five-star guys, are going to be obviously guys that you go see early. I mentioned Keldrick Falk as well. I think Miami and, and a guy like Reuben Bain. Uh, Reuben Bain is a, a a premier pass rusher. Auburn's got to have help at the pass rush position. So I think you look there. And I think you look on the offensive line. Uh, I think that's the other area, especially offensive tackle, where you start to go Auburn. Can Auburn make up you know, ground and continue to be in with a guy like D.J. Chester? So I think D.J. Chester is an early guy as well. He was here the last couple of games. He was actually here for the Auburn's last game against Western Kentucky at home. And so those are guys I think would be early visit potential guys for Hugh Freeze. Jason. 
thank you so, so much for all of your great insights. You have been all over the changes at Auburn, so be sure to check out Auburn Undercover for the latest as the Tigers embark on the Hugh Freeze era. All right, this has been a beast of a show. You guys have submitted so many great questions. We're gonna hit on a couple of them, Blair, because I know that there's just so many questions when it comes to what's happening in college football right now with coaching and recruiting and everything. So let's start with Hannah G. I love this one. She asks, which new hire has the highest short-term ceiling when it comes to recruiting? Yeah, we just spoke about Hugh Freeze, and I think he's the one, right? There's only 13 commitments right now for Auburn in the 2023 class. Nine of them are already four stars. So I, I would expect uh, Auburn to continue that trend. And considering some of the recruits that they're in on and some of the battles that they're about to face, uh, I, I do like Hugh Freeze, his ability to recruit. I like Cadillac Williams and his ability to close. And I think the the, the players that they're involved with, the transfer portal attraction that they're going to bring in, I think is, is a big, important thing as well. So I like Hugh Freeze to have the highest ceiling from an immediate recruiting impact standpoint. Yeah, I like how Jason said it's kind of like you have two head coaching figures going into those living rooms, pitching Auburn to recruits. Currently, Auburn is 10th in the SEC right now, so a lot of work to do before National Signing Day coming up at the end of next month. Let's go to our next question from Colin M. Any updates on Mark Fletcher with Signing Day less than a month away? What do you got on the four-star yeah, running back? Yeah, the former Ohio State commit, uh, it seems like he will be staying closer to home in the state of Florida. He's got an official visit to Florida to see the Gators the second weekend of December. Miami is also heavily linked and you can out, can't count out uh, Mario Cristobal or that staff. We've already seen them pull off a few shockers in this recruiting cycle, but it does look like it's another really interesting Florida versus Miami battle for the former Ohio State commit, Mark Fletcher, obviously drawing a lot of attention as one of the premier running backs in the country. Man, those battles are exciting. Okay, last one here is from El Nino Brown. Is Peyton Bowen still solid to Notre Dame or is he looking around? Well, he's been a little bit wiggly, right? <laughs> Going out to some schools. He's been uh, to unofficials to A&M, Oklahoma, Oregon's another program that he's, he's you know, obviously been linked with as well. And Dan Landing and, and that staff making a strong push. Notre Dame still holds him as a commit. He's been committed since New Year's Day of this year. So it's been a long time. Uh, and obviously they've weathered the storm. He's taken a number of visits. Right now it does look like Oklahoma has a little bit of buzz, but I, I think Notre Dame still feels good about their position. And, and obviously they had a, a really strong close to the season. I think they're showing him that that defense could be tailor-made for him. Obviously one of the better defensive backs in this, in this class, one of the better players in the state of Texas, an important prospect for Brent Venables as he tries to make a splash at Oklahoma. So that's one to monitor Payton Bowen really, uh, you know, interested and right now checking out a bunch of the schools. Yeah, you like those early commitments because they take a stance, but the long commitments are incredibly stressful and I'm sure some Irish fans are just crossing their fingers that he sticks around. We got to give two shout outs to some 24-7 sports subscribers. You guys have been super active in the chat today. We really appreciate it. El Nino Brown, who we just answered your last question. Hope Blair answered it well. I'm I mean, I love the answer. Tyler Chambers as well is another guy that we would like to shout out. Thank you all so much for tuning in and for all your comments and subscribing. And be sure to share and subscribe to 24-7 Sports YouTube page. If you're not already, it's going to be a busy month here at the headquarters. He's Blair Angulo. I'm Emily Proud. And this is the College Football Review. The wait is over. 
The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the shed? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.